Episode 30 of Pods. In the key of Springfield. Um, Pods in the key of Springfield. Hello everyone. <laughs> episode, it, it's episode 30 of Pods in the key of Springfield. Welcome to the podcast. This is the podcast, the online podcast. That is also a podcast. Yeah. Oh, my PlayStation just beeped. Play the DualShock 4 disconnected. Okay, that's fine. Well, that's so, alright. The DualShock 4 is disconnected. But really, yeah. aren't we all... Merely a disconnected DualShock 4 on the... Nick, in on, this modern world... In the universal serial bus of life. In this modern world where we're all just going on social media all the time, you know, we're so connected to our screens, but aren't we disconnected from one another? I hate that approach so much. But Nick, if you think about it, you know, the modern world with all its conveniences, why don't we ever just talk anymore, Nick? Well, unfortunately... You and I are about to talk for the next approximately 60 minutes. Yes, in a very panicked podcast recording, because usually we have like a nice juicy backlog of episodes. Are our backlogs juicy? I would call them relatively juicy. Far out, okay. But this week, uh, this is we're recording the episode that will go up next week, which means you know we can make more modern references than we would usually. Has anything interesting happened in the world recently? I don't know. There was something about uh, Tommy Daniels having pictures of Trump's dick. Don't think I want to talk about Trump's dick on the podcast, though. No, let's not let, let's not do that. No, let's leave that right out of it. Um, instead, on this podcast, we're going to talk about Season 3, Episode 18, Separate Vocations, and Season 3, Episode 19, Dog of Death. Separate Vocations, uh, one of the more lazily named episodes. Yes. I think. Yes. Which I... And I assume... Um, I assume it's a reference to the movie National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, but they National pluralized... Lampoon's Separate Vacations, sure. No. No? No. They pluralized vacations, made it vocations, turned Christmas into separate, and ditched the National Lampoon's bit. I've missed this, Nick. Why don't we talk anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> So this episode starts with Bart and Lisa taking an aptitude test and then the episode's basically them reacting to that aptitude test. Yes. Did you ever have to take an aptitude test in school? Uh, if I did, I don't really remember what the results were. I don't recall doing it, but we went to the same school. Did yeah. you have to... Did, did I, you? Do, is that a thing? Yeah, I, I remember doing one. It would have been like year 10 or 11, though. It certainly wasn't grades 2 and 4. Yeah, it's horrifying. Which is horrifying far too early life. to tell a child what they'll be doing uh-huh. once they're an adult. I remember that my the first one it gave me was library technician. Library technician. Yep. The third one it gave me was librarian. So it was kind of like saying, look, you like words, but I don't know, man. I feel like that's what my... I don't remember what the second one was. I just remember library technician and librarian. I'm glad to know that these are not weighted by uh, the possibility, or I suppose... They're not weighted by the likelihood of you achieving that job. I think it would be easier to be a librarian than I than a library technician. Mm. I say that because I'm not quite sure what a library technician is. Is that does that mean you're in charge of the Dewey Decimal System? Yeah, you have to and reinvent the, the system. Yeah, sure. And, and the no, 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 not reinvent. Just be in charge of. Well, and, there is actually like a university degree you can get in this. 
in being a library technician? I believe so. I I had a friend who was doing it last year, and then what does it entail? Gave it up because he realised it's basically just an office job. He'd be working right. Yeah, it's just like managing the library systems, basically. An office job that's got a really bitch and name attached to it. Library technician. Library technician. Yeah. Instead, I'm a video game journalist and occasional lecturer. Not as sexy, frankly. I think you should call yourself a DualShock 4 technician when you're reviewing PlayStation games. I I can't even keep the DualShock 4 connected. Mate, none of us can do that. (laughs) If you can keep your DualShock 4 connected, you're doing better than any of us. Especially during periods of 10 or more minutes of inactivity. Am I yes. right? Ah, ah, neck. Neck. Hello. That, that's good content. Oh, thanks. <laughs> really relatable. That's what I like about it. So you never did an aptitude test. You never knew what you wanted to be as a kid. When you were a little boy, growing up to be a big boy. If I did, I don't remember what it said. Because I, I remember you went through a lot of uh, changes in what you started. You know, you were going to be a journalist. Oh, my degree. Yeah, so yeah. my straight out of school, I started a journalism degree. I got two years in before I realised that was a, sh- a sinking ship. Mm. Um, I also approached it with a very different thought. Like, I went into journalism thinking, hey, I like words. That's that's a job where you get to play with words. And no, then, that's a library technician, as it turns out. As it turns out, you're right. Getting your little spanner and adjusting all the words. Um, uh, tightening up the adverbs, etc. Um, so, no, so I went into journalism thinking I could do words. And then in the first couple of weeks... We were told that the Advertiser, which is the leading paper in South Australia, is written for an average reading age of... F- 13, f- f- isn't f- it? F- 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 14 is my... 14. 14 yeah. is what I remember being told. I remember and being told when I was 13 that 13 was the mm. uh, age, what they were aiming at. I thought it was 14 for the Advertiser and then 15 for the Australian. Mm, and maybe. the Australian's meant to be the highbrow paper. Maybe by the time you had uh, aged up to 18, they had also aged up their content. Oh, interesting. Caleb eh? Bond, if you're listening. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's... No. Um, uh, and then after journalism, I did education for a year. Studied education for a year. Then remembered I don't like kids. Uh, mm. So then I switched to do uh, law. Yeah. And who knows whether or not I finished that degree. <laughs> and then who knows what career I ended up doing. And I did a Bachelor of Arts, which is uh, like ticking undecided on every box. <laughs> and that has been my life ever since. I, uh, I also have, alongside my law degree, I have a Bachelor of Arts. And it's a not particularly useful combination. I don't recall you getting a Bachelor of Arts. I have a Bachelor of Arts. Quietly on the side, you got a Bachelor of Arts. I had it quietly on the side. Because I started it when I started my teaching degree. Because the teaching degree was going to be arts majoring in teaching. Yeah. I think. I think that's how it worked. But then I just kept it going. And so I have a Bachelor of Laws and Legal Practice. And I have a Bachelor of Arts majoring in History, minor in Applied Linguistics. Ooh. Why? I don't know, really. It's just something to do. It's just something to do. You know why? Because when you're young, they don't really teach you about Hextad and what that's going to mean. New years. They don't tell you that you're accumulating massive amounts of debt. One of the interesting things about applied linguistics... Have you ever studied applied linguistics? No. Right, so I'm going to... No, have I ever really applied linguistics, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Very good. One of our tests, and I'm going to... I'm going to draw this out for you, James, so that hopefully if I don't do a very good job of explaining it to the audience who yeah. don't have the advantage of this drawing, you'll be able to chip in. Sure. One of the tests was they started off with a diagram like this. So these are the two rows of teeth there in a human mouth. Oh, I knew those were teeth immediately. I don't know how because I don't really look like teeth. We're so in sync right now, Nick. We should talk more. Fist bump. 
Um, so we'll come back to the Simpsons in a moment. By the way, <laughs> I'm not sure that we will. <laughs> so it was that we had this blank diagram of teeth, and then above it there'd be a phoneme. So phonemes are the building blocks of sound that make up words, right? So T and a H, Tony Hawk, yeah. So yep, Tony Hawk. So in this particular example, T H Tony Hawk, which for the purposes of a linguistics thing is th, and then you would need to draw where the tongue was while making that phoneme. So you'd need to be able to draw, and oh, because there was also, actually, there was also a side-on view. So there was a front-on view of a blank face yeah. and a side-on view, and then you'd need to say, like, well, actually, the tongue is, you know, in a th, 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 th you, got the tip of the, you got the tip of the tongue behind the top yeah, teeth, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it, uh, you know, it parks up there. Has that skill ever come in handy since? No, I'll have to really. we'll take a photo of that picture and put it up on one of the things at some point. I'll do that right now. I'll grab it now, why not? It's incomplete on one side, but I think that's fine. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. So keep an eye on our socials for that. Yeah, for that uh, picture of a, a pair of teeth. So, Krabappel has told the students... I'm sipping into a beer, which is almost like a pair of teeth. A pair of teeth? Cocktail. A pair of teeth? <laughs> yeah. That was, um... That was better than I can give it credit for, I think. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm trying to get back on topic. <laughs> that was good, though. Uh, so, Crabapple has told the students that they have a surprise waiting for them. And we get to see some of the kids imagining what the surprise mm-hmm. will be. Mm-hmm. Millhouse imagines what looks like a Native American man wrestling an alligator. That's interesting. Yeah. That is interesting, um, isn't it? Is that like a Native American uh, Steve Irwin? I, I, I don't know. I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know he was what the, that would have looked like on the page. He was the crocodile. Oh, actually, no, hang on. Let's be specific. I think it's wrestling an alligator because it's Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. Do they have crocodiles in Northern... Or did you say alligator? I, I said alligator. I've got alligator on the page. Oh, well, I'm just... I was watching a movie with a big alligator in it yesterday, so I've got alligators on the brain. The movie was Annihilation. I liked it a lot. Good work, Alex Garland, if you were listening. So yeah, an alligator. Alex. Alan Gator. Alan Gator. Yes. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. That's just a weird little thing that I liked in the episode. These uh, yes. these, these two episodes had some nice little weird things that I appreciated. I agree. Because as has been noted on this uh, on this podcast, I quite like The Simpsons, the TV show. Sure. I'm, I'm hesitant to take the lead on the next segue because I see you've got a lot more notes than I do. I don't actually have as many as I usually would for either of these episodes. Well, would you like to... Because I'm about to go to the results when they're processing the results. Yeah, jump to the results. Emma must be sentient. Emma must be sentient. So, uh, to double back to a, a segment we haven't done for a long like, time... That's like the chapter name on the DVD of this episode. <laughs> yes, exactly. Emma must be sentient. Emma must be sentient. And also, given that I can't do anything succinctly, it's also going to be... <laughs> Uh, the subheading for the waffle I'm about to do. But uh, a segment we haven't done for a while is How the Simpsons Ruin My Life. We use the word ruin in a kind of love-hate kind of way. Yeah. Um, whenever any piece of technology doesn't work, my response is, come on, Emma. Like the old man who's processing the results with the thing. Yeah, the uh, machine that's processing the results. What bothered me is oh. they show Lisa's results going in. Ding! And then they show Bart's results going in. Everything breaks down. <laughs> But the name before that was, uh, I think it was an S-A name, so what's the alphabetical ordering on this? What is the alphabetical ordering on this? Whereas Lisa before Bart, it's not reverse alphabetical order. No. 
why there's so few students being tested by this machine and in the first place. Is and that they were collected in year-level groups. Yeah. Are they being sorted out of year-level groups? It seems that way to me. Don't know that I'm into that. But seems like I've... you would need to ask eight-year-olds very different questions to what you would ask ten-year-olds I mean, to you'd hope confirm so. their career aptitude. The thing I thought was weird, so it was one of those... Uh, multi-choice colour in the circles with a pencil type quizzes, right? Mm. Um, quiz? Probably not the right word for it. Test. Better word for it. So those machines literally just scan the dots and match it up with the matrix of what the results are, right? Yes. Um, when the machine gets Bart's results, it is so shocked by what it is scanning that it chooses to break down entirely. Mm. Now, there's nothing about... like. But has it, if we take that he's done it properly and, and filled in the circles, that's not going to cause the machine to break down. Even if he's scribbled and, you know, drawn a big doodle over the whole page, that's not going to cause the machine to break down. It's just not going to register it in the matrix. The machine was so shocked by what it saw that it stopped and then it could only be coaxed into moving again by the old man saying, come on, Emma. And then Emma thought, you're right, I am the little machine that could. And it kept plowing on leading me to believe that that machine is sentient. And I just don't know in what kind of weird Simpsons world do we have sentient machines marking results for year two and year four students. That is interesting. But if we think about the wider implications in uh, what this episode is doing in general and why the machine freaks out, because the machine tells Bart he should be a cop, right? Right. I think it's pretty clear from this episode that whoever wrote it does not like cops. Yes. And I think the machine's freak out is maybe part of that. Oh, interesting. The machine is itself anti-authority. Yeah. And it says, no, I don't want any more cops in this world, man. Yeah. Because... I don't want any more fuzz out on the beat, man, said the machine. <laughs> yeah, Emma. fuzz on the beat. Fuzz <laughs> on the beat. Yeah. That's the lingo. Yeah. Is it? I'm not sure what the lingo is. Yeah, it's something along those lines. It says, uh, I ain't no ham sandwich, man. Get off my back. That's what the machine's saying. This is how people, This is how the kids talk. Oh, sorry. For if a, you would just talk to people sometimes, for a moment, Dick, no. If can you would we, put your screen down. <laughs> can we ditch this fucking riff? Um, for a moment there, I thought you were going to do a really weird twist on what I think is a Kanye West meme. And say, I'm not a ham sandwich man. I'm a ham sandwich man. I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. That's no. a Kanye meme, isn't it? Could be. Sounds about Kanye-ish. I've heard other podcasts do it, so I assumed it was... A, so I've heard other podcasts do it, so I assumed it was a Kanye West meme. That's the sentence that was... <laughs> That's a, a real running theme on our podcast, isn't it? We heard things on other podcasts. <laughs> I've, got, I've got one of those coming up when we get to Dog of Death. Brilliant. Well, uh, so, but goes on this uh, drive about with the cops. The cops are inept. Uh, eventually, Bert nearly gets hurt by Kurt again because Snake drives right at him. I mean, if anything, The Simpsons can perhaps be best summarised as a series of events in which Bert nearly gets hurt by Kurt. Or occasionally is hurt by said Kurt. But, uh... <laughs> <coughs> now, yes. when they don't have backup to take down Snake... They go up to Bart and say, this goes against every regulation, but would you cover us? Hand him a gun. Mm. I feel like in the US, they are maybe two years away from this being standard practice everywhere. <laughs> I feel like they are getting there fast. You know, already they're talking about the need to arm teachers in the classroom. 
Well, arming it, some of the more fascist students seems like the next logical step. Absolutely. I mean, especially when, you know, the the call to arm teachers has not been greeted wholly positively. So it wouldn't surprise me if the next mm. step was, all right, fuck it, the students are getting guns. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, it'd be nice if this was still a joke that we were making, but yeah, I just don't ever want to go there ever and I'm glad because I I think I've said this on a previous episode but for about 10 years I've been saying that I don't want to go to America Yeah, and man I'm glad that my position's finally becoming reasonable see 90s jokes about gun use uh, have aged very weirdly yeah including this one because you all because it's almost to the point where you look back on that and go oh isn't that quaint they thought it would be funny to hand a gun to a child yeah yeah um there's a scene where um, we see Santa's little helper getting blamed for theft of a chocolate cake yes. by Marge. Bart comes in and says, no, 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 I've got the surveillance photos. Look here. It's your old man Homer. He's the one old that... Old man Homer chowing down on that cake. He's the one that nabbled the cake. Um, nabbled? Na- sure. Cool. That's, that's the verb I've gone with. Uh, were those surveillance photos taken on the spy camera from season one? That's a good question. It had a similar mm. black and white aesthetic. It did have a similar black and white aesthetic. I don't know if that uh, mail order camera had the capabilities to be left in surveillance mode. That's a good point. Although, where else would Bart be getting surveillance gear from mm. at the same time? Although, I'm not sure. I mean, because the, the final photo in the flip deck of the destruction of the chocolate cake mm. is a photo of Bart's little bum yeah. in the mirror. Yeah. So... I should have looked more closely at that camera that he was using in that photo because I like the idea that two years later the camera shows up again. I just like how fast Bart uh, slides into fascist surveilling people. Just uh, Sure. Yeah. Lisa calls him a fascist later in the episode. They're very explicit about it, but she immediately does. he's just uh, spying on people, turning them in, uh, mm. betraying all of his closest friends. Once again, Rome is burning in this episode. It's, uh, it's a whole thing, man. Mamma mia. Mamma mia, indeed. Rome is burning. Weren't those my exact words? <laughs> yes. Midway through the episode, Mamma mia! I'm pretty sure that's exactly what you did and said, and yeah. are, and was. So here's a question sure. for you about this episode, All Separate right. Vocations, an episode of The Simpsons. I'll colour in the corresponding dot for you. Ooh, please do. So Lisa is told that she is going to be a homemaker... Just like a mummy. Not great, but, you know, that's yeah, what they tell her. Yeah. Yep, yep. So we see Lisa talking to her mum about this and uh, her mum saying don't give up on your dreams and all that, but also being a homemaker is is still good. What is this episode's actual stance or position on the role of being a stay-at-home mother who looks after the house and looks after the baby? Yeah, or a stay-at-home parent. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say. Because it starts to put forward a positive light and then kind of shoots itself in the foot. And then Lisa, who normally Lisa is a character character that we are supposed to be barracking for, right? Mm. I think if you were going to pin down which of the Simpsons you wish your views were most closely aligned with, Mm. (laughs) are you listening, Ted Cruz or whoever (laughs) politician said that? Um, um, Have you seen his Simpsons impressions? No, I haven't seen it. Uh, they I've only, are far worse than ours. I've only seen the recent... <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. No. Ow! Like, I'm going to do I'm gonna do my Homer impression. Uh, don't much. I'm, I'm Homer. I like, I like to drink beer. 
Now I'm going to be Mr. Burns. Mm, excellent. Yes. Yes, I'm an old man. He's, but, he's bad. Uh, your impression of Ted Cruz's impression of Homer sounded more like the Simpsons' impression of Gerald Ford. <laughs> uh, do you also like beer and football? Um, Which then yours sounds more. Your impression of my impression of Ted Cruz impersonating <laughs> Homer that sounds more like Gerald Ford's action impression of Kermit the Frog. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, that's... <laughs> what a change. That was a real babushka doll of an impression. Uh, or should I say it was an inception? <laughs> sure. You get it, Nick? Because that's what happens in the movie Inception? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah oh, yeah, my yeah. God. Do you think yeah, anyone's yeah. ever made that? You know what's interesting about the movie Inception? Doesn't the city fold on itself like the layers of an omelette? Omelette. Omelette Inception. Yeah. Uh, who was in that movie? Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah. Oh, was it? Was I right? Yeah, Lee Egnardo DiCaprio. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and Eglin Page. And uh, who else is in that movie? Tom Hardy, Tom Hardboiled Eggy. Tom Hardboiled Eggy. Yep. You know, let's not go any further down that road. It's a dead end. Right, it's a good <laughs> place. Just replacing the actors from Inception um, with egg puns. Okay, shall I pull out one of my favourite non-Simpsons phrases here and say... Oh, actually, maybe this is a Simpsons one. I'll run it past you and see what you think. Okay. Shall we quit while we're only slightly behind? <laughs> Instead of quit while we're ahead. Yes. Serpently. Let's uh, continue. Serpently. Yes. So, uh, Lisa is the person with whom most people would wish that their views were most closely aligned, right? Yes, Le- yes. Lisa is by far the most socially conscious and progressive. She's member. the moral heart of the show, yes. Moral heart of the show. Um, she also not down on the idea of some people being stay-at-home parents Mm. apparently or maybe she just thinks that she deserves better than that well they have to walk a difficult line here between saying like lisa should still follow her dreams despite having stubby fingers but also there's nothing wrong with you know marge having her own different ambitions but they don't really do that Mm. although if they had done it it would have been like phenomenally progressive for the 90s it would have like in ways that we can't even comprehend i think for a cartoon especially like you might have seen you know like the acclaimed sitcoms of the time trying to do something but yeah cartoon very early 90s and you know who i think would have been maybe the character to do it with ruth powers ruth powers yeah Am I remembering the one correctly? Because I think, like, if if Lisa had, let's say, if Lisa had gone on a tour of the neighborhood to see other happy homemakers, Mm. it would have been very easily, here's the things that Maud Flanders has done, and look at how happy Ned is. Or here's the things that Chief Wiggum's wife, whose name I don't remember, has done. Sarah. And look at how happy Clancy is. Whereas with Ruth Powers, it would have been like, hey, look, here's a... Badass woman who knows how to operate a circular saw. Yeah, I mean, uh, she, they, she, she doesn't even live in the house at this point in the show, though, is yeah, the issue. Yeah, yeah, she hasn't moved into town. but yeah. it, it, She yeah. effectively doesn't exist. She pretty much doesn't exist. Yeah, and then nobody has drawn her yes. properly. Sure. Yes. But I, don't, I guess the episode's just not really concerned with the same things we're concerned with at That's all. That's true. Is it still an all-male writing room at this point? Uh, was the no women was the no women ban still in place? I'm not sure. Right, I haven't looked into that. Sure, but it's a strong possibility. Um, I never realised that uh, in the episode where Mark Mark 
Yeah, M- Mark Simpson. Mark Simpson, yeah. yeah. Um, in the episode where Marge becomes the uh, art teacher for the prisoners, yeah. and they do the huge banner of Puma Pride, yeah. um, I never realised that Puma Pride was a callback, because in this episode we see that humor, uh, humor, Sk- <laughs> Skinner loves the statue of Skinner's the Puma. really into that Puma. He's really into the Puma. I enjoy that bit. I don't know if I don't know I if that comes back for Skinner really. If he, I can't talk. No, but it's a school mural that he paints. He's, he's had the commissioned one. Oh, Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Draws it on the napkin, and it's like a shitty rainbow thing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. P- Pima Pride is definitely yeah. a thing that comes back. Yeah. Do you think Skinner's just like a fan of that brand of sportswear, or he just loves Pumas in general? Don't know. Difficult to say. Is a Puma a subset of Panther? Are they the same? This doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. All right, we'll, so go, I don't we'll, know. <laughs> we'll go on to your next note. What is my next note? I like that Bart has a series of weirdly adult fantasies in this one. He imagines being a drifter, being kicked out of town by the sheriff. Yes. He imagines being in court talking about the death of the late Mr. Bellagio, where he is voiced by Steve Allen and he gets killed in the courtroom. Very good. I enjoy all of that. I enjoy that that is so... He's witnessed a you know a mafia killing, mm. and that he's being a witness in the courtroom, and that is the direct result of his fantasy that arises from being asked to be a whole monitor in a primary school yeah. after working for the mafia. What like ten episodes ago? Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, in the legitimate businessman's club. Yeah, but it's a different mafioso because I guess they couldn't get uh, Joe Montagna to come back for sure. to just say I'll kill you. I'm Joe. Sure. Yeah, because, you know, usually when people deliver lines, they just have to cut out the bit at the end where they announce what their name is. Well, that was the weird thing about the Roadrunner, is that it was always, bleep, bleep, Roadrunner. Yeah. Yeah, Roadrunner was good. Can't wait to hear if I did a good job on the meep meep when I listen back to that in post. It was all right. I find in this podcast, when I'm listening back doing the editing, you have this habit of, uh, or we both have a habit of, like, occasionally we'll nail an impression and then comment on how bad it was. And I'll be editing, I'm like, no, that was good. And then sometimes you'll it's, fuck it up completely and say, like, oh, yeah, that's about right. It, it's almost... Well, okay. I was about to say it's almost like neither of us have any discernible self-esteem. But then you did the second part of that anecdote and it just makes it seem as though we have poor judgment. Now, here's the thing. Your first pass on Marvin Monroe is always your best one. <laughs> <laughs> My first. <laughs> so don't do another one. That was, that, that was not going to be a good pass. I bailed on that. My throat broke. At one point, when Bart becomes the fascist hall monitor, he asks Jimbo if he's keeping his nose clean. Sure. Is there a coke problem in Springfield Elementary? Oh, that's interesting. I just thought it was a... You say cleaning your own nose there. <laughs> See, I'm using the power of suggestion. I just thought... I just thought it was a reference to... Uh, uh, boogers, I believe, is the medical term. Nessie. And I yes, I, I would typically read this as some sort of uh, booger query. I also don't think that's a reprimandable offence, though. If you're walking around as the school bully with a particularly, shall I boogersome. say, mucus-laden or boogersome <laughs> nasal passage... Oh, you're looking rather boogersome today. <laughs> oh, very wriggly. <laughs> um, I don't think that that's an issue that you can get called up on. And unless it's, you know, if it's dripping on your shirt. Mm. If you've got bloody... Uh, uh, small uh, woodland animals dangling off it like vines from a forest. Why are the woodland animals dangling off vines? There are no vines in the woodland. It's merely trees and scrub. Um, but, you know. Nick, have you ever tangled with the booger police? Have I ever tangled with yeah. the booger police? The booger stasi? Not... <laughs> 
Not to the best of my knowledge. Not to the best of my knowledge. But but you think it's a Coke thing? I think it's I think it's implied that Jimbo is uh So less booger and more hard. Less booger and more booger sugar. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Ah, uh, you wound up like there was going to be a pun there, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I wound up like I was going to swing for the fences. So neither of us have seen the movie Rebel Without a Cause, where I'm pretty sure there's some direct parallels to that in this. Oh, well, Lisa's got that line where she's like, I'm a rebel without a cause. Yeah, it's <laughs> a very good Lisa. <laughs> Not sure that I'm it is. I'm a rebel without a cause. Yeah, it's... you sounded more like a macaw that was doing an impersonation. I'm oh, a, I'm did you a not rebel. notice my bird flying? <laughs> I'm a rebel and I'm a macaw. <laughs> I'm not sure if having all that chocolate pre-recording was a good idea. <laughs> I don't think it was a bad idea either. I don't know much about Rebel Without a Cause. I know he rides a motorbike around. Um, is that he rebels? Um, as, uh, it ends at that observatory that popped up in La La Land, a is, movie I have seen. Is that James Dean? Yeah, James Dean is Jimmy the rebel. Dean. Is the rebel without a cause? The eponymous rebel. The eponymous rebel. Yeah, with the uh, non-existent cause. Yes. <laughs> First draft of the movie title: Eponymous Rebel, Non-Existent Cause. <laughs> Imagine using the word eponymous in your title for a movie. <laughs> and, here, and here, of course, we see the eponymous, eponymous Steve. Meet Jimmy. He's the eponymous rebel in our film. Uh, look at all these notes. Which of these do I even want um, to talk about? Uh, um, uh, when Willie gets taken away by the police, he refers to tasers. Yes. Now, tasers are an interesting thing because I feel like tasers are relatively modern. Turns out, they've been around for a lot longer than I thought. Oh, you were doing taser research during this episode. No, no, no. I'm sorry, I wasn't doing research. I was just like the, the the mere mention of them in this episode tells me they've been around since early '90s. Oh, okay. I thought their advent was more like early 2000s. Okay, okay. So you learned something about tasing, then? I did. Well, I'm glad to hear it, Nick. Don't refer to the meme. Um, I'm not going to because it's bad. G- yes, it's not great. It's not funny no. that a guy was uh, viciously assaulted by the police. Yeah, as this episode says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's fu- it's funny when they do it to Willie though, right? Because he's got a funny voice. Oh yeah, he's Scottish. That's why it's funny. That's why it's funny. It's just you know, and some people just don't have a sense of humour about these things, Nick. Why don't we talk anymore? Should we, should we clarify? <laughs> Do you see how annoying it is when that thing gets done back to you, by the way? No, I enjoyed like, that. <laughs> I was actually really glad. I'm like, ah, oh, it's back. <laughs> it likes it again. This is nice. Oh, it's back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so glad it's back. <laughs> We're so glad to have you back. We all miss you. <laughs> oh, no, wait. Sorry. I, th- I started quoting a movie, but it's not Rebel Without a Gauze. <laughs> it's some other movie with old black and white men on motorbikes <laughs> black and white men on motorbikes okay yes I was trying to think if there was any episodes of Twin Peaks no there's motorbikes there's black and white nah the two shall meet uh, welcome to Sneaky Peaks everyone. Uh, that was that was the worst episode of Sneaky Peaks I've ever heard to be honest yeah that was a pretty weak episode of Sneaky Peaks the uh, and yet stealth we're... Twin Peaks podcast that is of course constantly running in the background of Puzz and the Kids Spring you're like the dream dreams then lives inside a tree. Sanehi Beats. I prefer to think of it as the seventh character of Pods in the Case Springfield. <laughs> 
After what you, me, uh, the town of Adelaide itself, motorbike Mike, the dishwasher. (laughs) And what's the sixth? Uh, It's the concept of four fingeredness. (laughs) Do you remember that discussion? Yeah, but that was from the Simpsons characters. That's oh. a separate list. Of- oh fuck! Oh my oh, no. god, we've crawled so far up our own asses no, on this it's, podcast. It's, it's uh, my dishwasher and my coffee machine. Okay, because okay. they they've both made a lot of appearances. I'm glad you remembered Motorbike Mike. Yeah, who we haven't heard from in a couple of recordings, by the way. No, well, it is nighttime, and Motorbike Mike like staying at night. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I've got a bunch of other notes. I don't know if any of them are really worth getting into the episode. And Motorbike Mike, if you're listening, I did want to talk about the random locker searches because, of course, Lisa steals all of the uh, the teachers' editions of the book. As a occasional teacher myself, I can confirm we do have like cheat sheets that tell us all the answers to everything, and they are pretty important. Uh, Lisa steals all of those, and they could do a random locker search to try to find them. And there's a brief discussion about. Uh, it was like the Supreme Court, somebody's outlawed random locker searches, or as opposed uh, to it. And yeah, Skinner says that they can't do random locker searches because the Supreme Court won't uphold it. I or feel has like overturned it. I feel like these days, this is probably a thing that just happens in every American school. There's probably a lot of random locker searches. I seem to remember, and I didn't look this up, even though I had the chance. I seem to remember. CCTV footage from an American school from six, seven years ago where uh, there was a random locker search by someone that had a gun out and was pointing it at a student. Mm. Um, And that was six or seven years ago when everything in the world was fine and perfect. (laughs) So I imagine it is much, much worse now. Hopefully people can hear some of that sarcasm, but... uh... If you take one thing from this podcast about The Simpsons, it's that American gun control laws are bad, and uh, from the outside, everything that's going on over there looks terrifying, guys, sort your shit out. Please. And uh, to all the students currently standing up for everything, you fucking rule, you're stronger than the people who came before you, etc., etc., you don't need to hear us say it, because uh, probably none of you are listening anyway. Because I imagine, you're too busy being yeah. cool, good people I imagine they've who got, have never seen these old episodes of The Simpsons because they are well before your time. They've got much more important things to do than listen to this. Yes, to listen to our analysis of the episode Dog of Death, for instance. Uh, pronounce it correctly, please. Dog of dog. Death. Dog. What the um, hell happened to my dog of death? happened to my dog of death? So this is the episode in which uh, Santa's Little Helper... Gets a twisted stomach requiring expensive surgery and the family has new money. Yeah. To pay for it. But then he gets the surgery and then he fucks off. And then he d- he just gets up and leaves. Yeah. He just picks up his little bindle, puts it over his little <laughs> greyhound bloody shoulder and just waddles off into the sunset. Yeah. Yeah, mm. good app. Yeah, pretty good. So this is one of those episodes of The Simpsons where suddenly everyone is obsessed with something specific. Yes. In this case, the lottery. Oh, yes, the lottery. Yeah. Yes, of course. How could I forget? Yeah, this episode ends with, uh, starts, I should say, with everyone being obsessed with the lottery, buying lottery tickets, running around, shouting about lottery. Uh, lots of background characters popping up when they're in the quickie mile. A lot of you know people we don't typically see, interesting, interesting characters, interesting faces. Sure. Were you looking out for Norm? Did you spot any Norms in the background? <sighs> 
I didn't see any... Norm is, of course, the character, or Norman pops up in the very first episode of The Simpsons. Homer greets him at the Christmas pageant, and we've been looking for him ever since. We've been looking for him ever since. And I we've think, been on Norman Watch. I think the strongest lead that we've had so far in Norman Watch um, is there is a real estate agent in a treehouse of horror, mm. Mr. Plute. We don't yes. hear his first name, but I think it might be Norman Plute. Yes. On the basis that Norman Plute is a really nice name. Mm. Um, I was on the lookout for a Norman, any likely Normans that I could mm. see. There is one later in the episode, which is a possible callback to an Ooh. earlier potential Norman sighting. But you and I disagreed on whether or not that was a potential Norman. We'll get to that. That is, uh, we'll we're, that. we're doing a little tease here for some weird shit in this one. Doing a forward sell. Whoa. There was a guy with a big overbite that I thought oh, could have been overbite. a potential norm, and he yeah, really I stood could out. See, I could see Norm having an overbite. Yeah. You know, based on the, the the literally nothing that we know about him. There was part of me that thought, what if I don't tell you about this guy, and then we have both somehow picked him out, but it didn't happen, so that's oh, okay. That's unfortunate. <laughs> And they talk about, um, is it Shirley Jackson's a library? I should have written down the name of the author, but that book, uh, The Lottery, I the think. Lottery. The Lottery. Yeah. Is that and a real book? Yeah. Oh. They talk about, they, there's a bit on the news where they're talking about lottery fever, and they say that every copy of this book has been checked out from the Springfield Library. Mm. Now, that's a weird way of doing that gag, I think. Because a library would typically have, what, like three copies of a book? Yeah, that's not that unless many. Unless it's already, like, unless it's Harry Potter. How many copies do you reckon most libraries have of the Harry Potter books? I... Put your money where your mouth is, book boy. We're going to say... You want to be a library technician. Okay, we're going to say per single book in the series. Because we have to take into account the possibility that these school, okay. that schools are being provided these books by libraries and maybe it's one of the set readings now. I don't know. I'm only one man. Okay. How many... Um, uh, yes, Shirley Jackson. You were right. Okay. How... I'm sorry, Shirley Jackson. I am for real. I just couldn't remember. <laughs> um, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to do a whole thing there. But... Very good. Uh, no. How many copies of uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone... Do you think an average common or garden library would have in stock, on their shelves, Dewey Decimal systemed, ready to go, ready to yeah, check before out? I, before I take a stab at this, I just want to clarify that it's not my position to say whether Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone is arch, okay? That's just not my job here. I didn't ask you if it's being hung on the fucking wall, dude. Also in the US, it's called Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So we have to take that into account. Because they thought Americans wouldn't know what a philosopher is. That is the actual genuine reason they did that. Oh my god. Uh, I am going to guess that a standard library will have... Does that mean that they... 15 copies. Does that... uh, 15? Interesting. Okay, and I imagine that The Lottery by Shirley Jackson is, sorry Miss Jackson, not as popular as Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. If we're being for real, yes. But does does that also mean... Do they think... Do Americans think that Aristotle and Immanuel Kant and all these other people were sorcerers, not philosophers? To be clear, this is 100% the publisher thinking, well, these people are fucking idiots. They won't know. It's not like they didn't go and look into this. Right. They're just like, okay, this book's probably not going to be that big. So whatever. It's not going to be a big deal if we give the first book in the series a different name in different markets. And then it turned out like the biggest thing of all time. And they had to film like two different versions of the film and it was a whole thing. Because I really enjoy the idea that in American 
history lessons. They're saying, right, now today we're going to talk about Aristotle. He was ancient Greek's most pol- prolific sorcerer. What a one- Music from Fantasia kicks in. <laughs> Could you ever play the Fantasia video game? No. It was garbage. Okay, good. <laughs> you said that with such verve. <laughs> oh, you mean... Um, so do you ever play the Fantasia? <laughs> now the drugs don't work. They just make things worse. Lie. Ever see your face again? Video game? You know what I was saying was going to happen there? I thought you were going to make a reference to the shit pub that we used to like live near. <laughs> that was called Verve. And I'm like, come on, Nick. That's too obscure. Oh. But instead, you made a reference to something else I'm not familiar with. Uh, that was um, Drugs Don't Work by the Verve. The same people that did Bittersweet Symphony. But... In typical me style, I didn't go for the obvious one. I went for the song that no one fucking knows. Um, Here's my story about Verve. Once upon a time, I was there with a friend. We were having some uh, drinks. This story comes into involving you, so strap in for that. Was I the friend? No. Well, said about that time we went to that trivia night. (laughs) Don't give it away. (laughs) So the first night, I went there with a friend for some uh, uh, drinks after work. And then this guy came around, big guy. Oh, good day, boys. You want to enter the tri- trivia night? Bloody quiz night. Want to bloody enter it? And I, we said, no, we don't know anything. That was our genuine answer. No, we don't know anything. Yeah. No, come on, boys. Free to get free to enter. Bloody, come on, bloody quiz night. Apparently, in this, the role of the quiz master is being played by American by Australian comedian Demi Lardner. Yeah, I was going um, to say that's what you're doing right now. It's exactly the voice that I'm doing, but uh, well, it's one of her character voices. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, we ended up not only did we win like the main prize in that quiz night, which was I think a hundred a fifty dollar meal voucher for to use in the next week. We also won both bonus rounds, which means we got like two packs of Tim Tams and two jugs of beer or something. And uh, our team name was, in retrospect, pretty horrible. Mm. Um, we were called the Jizz Knights. Um, we'll, we'll just gloss over that one. Um, I'd love to say we came up with that name when we were 15 or 16. Well, more like 28. Um, and so then, but that friend wasn't available on the next occasion. And of course, I needed to use the meal voucher. So we went, and do you remember where we came? Dead fucking stone last. Yeah, we fucked it. <laughs> we fucked but it. But this real time hard. they had like a like a placard with our name on it, with like a picture of a knight on it. Yeah, it was a picture of a knight that they'd gone into Photoshop and selected the eraser tool and done, and made like streaks of, of of blank white space down the knight in shining armor. It was called the Jizz Knights, everybody. But um, I remember getting into several arguments with that quiz master actually. Yes, yes. Because it was things like. Um, uh, who won this year's Australian Open? Uh, which sport, mate? Golf or tennis? Oh, no, it doesn't matter. Just put your answer down. Oh, I reckon it fucking does matter. <laughs> or there was one where it was, uh, what percentage of the Earth's surface is covered in solid ice? All right, is that going to be a Northern Hemisphere summer or a Northern Hemisphere winter? Because the Arctic Circle increases and decreases its ice percentage by about two thirds um do you remember when this podcast used to be about the simpsons just put your bloody answer down boys (laughs) you're turning into one of the big heads from rocker's modern life in your impression as well rocker's modern life rocker's modern life i want to talk more about this lottery we're still in the first like minute of this episode i have things to say 
about this lottery. Okay, okay, okay. Two things. Two things I want to say about this lottery. One, this episode's about a sick dog, right? Dogs running around collapsing everywhere. Sick dog. One of my favorite hip hoppers. Yeah. So the dog is uh, clearly on the brink of death and nobody notices because, you know, we're meant to think, oh, they're so wrapped up in the lottery, they don't notice the dog is sick. Sure. But only Homer really seems to give a shit about the lottery at all. Yeah. He's the only one really paying attention. Why does anyone else give a fuck? Nobody else notices that the dog is constantly, like, getting up, struggling to walk and then collapsing to the ground over and over. And his nose has changed colour and he's Mm. clearly unwell. He is clear. Yeah, why doesn't that? That is weird. The other um, thing is uh, when we see the lottery and the numbers have come up, there are like six numbers. Numbers, I'm, I'm pointing my notes to you. Numbers perfectly aligned and upright. Is that what you're about to say? No, I've got an even more nitpicky thing to say. Oh. Or maybe more valid. It's hard to say yet, but they are. Um, <laughs> look, the, the num- yes, the numbers are all upright and everything. But look, we're told at the start. The odds of winning the lottery are 1 in 380 million. Yes. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but do we see any numbers above about 50? Mm. No. And there are only six balls. Yeah. Yeah, so usually usually to win the lottery you need, what, like 12 numbers at least? And then like the two subs at the end? I don't think... Well, I'm thinking of like if you, if you look at like Kino, where there'll be like 20 numbers and you can try yeah, to guess 10 of uh, them and there's 80 in total and the odds of winning that are like like 1 in 50,000, I think. There's no way the odds of winning this when there's only six balls being called out are 1 in 380 million. Um, <laughs> I think that is a vast overstatement of the odds of winning the lottery in terms of what the lottery is portrayed as here. I feel like a standard lottery will have far more than six numbers called, and there will be usually a higher range of numbers as well. Yeah, I I agree with you with more than six. I also think... No, that's not right. I wish I could remember how to do statistics, because I know that the word factorial comes in here at some point. Yeah. But I don't know where it comes in. Um... Uh... I do agree that most lotteries pull out more than six and you need all of them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I agree that most lotteries have more than a range of of one to 50. Um, Well, 50, it might even be... I don't know, what's the highest number we see? I've written 48, but I'm not actually sure if that's right or not. I feel like maybe it was actually 38. I only know the second set of numbers that... um, that they would have won on if they entered the second lottery, which was 3, 6, 17, 18, 22, and 29. Those are all pretty low numbers. Those are all pretty low numbers. Mm. Uh, Unless we have a statistician on board, I'm not sure if I can answer this question for you, James. I just think that one... I just think they fucked it. I think they should have had more numbers in the draw, and I hope somebody gets fired for that blunder, etc., etc. meme. Uh, Yeah, lottery. Oh, you mean like they only had one job? Like... That meme? Nick, what are you implying? Meme. A meme, okay. Hey, Nick. Library technician. I'm just um, stretching my calves on the windowsill. Isometric exercise. Steamed hams. You know, we should talk more. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know why I hate that so much. So I'm going to cross out some notes that I'm not going to uh, dwell on. Magnets, crossing it out. <laughs> yes, yes, crossing it out. Balls. Oh, I did talk about the balls. Uh, Springfield, not in Cleveland. 
Springfield's not in Cleveland? We're narrowing it down. Because okay. after the lottery win, Kent Brockman says, oh, there was a tragedy in Cleveland. Thereby insinuating that the town that he's reporting from, which is Springfield, which is in many ways a character of the show... Yeah, to is me it's the sixth character, the sixth symptom. But it is not a character in the Cleveland show because it is not in Cleveland. Okay, so this is not the Cleveland show starring Cleveland Brown. I want to know why Lisa knows the name of Nixon's dog. Is that just because Lisa is just very clever? Or... Like Checkers is a fairly memorable, well-known name. pop cultural dog. Okay, he's like the Pluto of his day. Ah, <laughs> oh, Checkers. <laughs> Except if with with Nixon, if if Checkers is the Pluto, that make, ma- makes Nixon the Mickey. And it's like, oh boy, I am not a crook. Oh, oh. boy, <laughs> oh boy, Checkers. <laughs> <laughs> I just um all I I only know the name Checkers because I remember seeing part of the movie Dick where somebody falls in love with Nixon. I just remember there being a scene where him oh. saying, You're supposed to love me, Checkers. I thought you meant the Andy Dick biopic. That which biopic. Yeah. The Andy Dick biopic. <laughs> the Biodick, as the, they call it. The which bio- was actually the sequel to Biodome. My Biodome. <laughs> Starring Paulie Shaw as Andy Dick. <laughs> Welcome to the bio deck, buddy. Buddy. What a dumb fucking series of um, sentences. There's a wonderful running gag in this of Homer throwing books into a fire. <laughs> yes. So he throws the li- he throws his copy of the lottery rented from the Springfield Library. Throw it, takes that library book and he throws it away <laughs> into a fire. And then we see him again throw a different book into the fire. Uh, I forget which book. It's uh, Canine Surgery. Oh yes, canine yeah. surgery. Throws it into the fireplace where there's a pile of about five or six other books. Yes. Now, I thought that was a very funny callback to an earlier thing. Is it possible that Homer has taken on Bart's fascist tendencies from the previous episode and this has led to a wholesale burning of books? Oh, you think he's Fahrenheit 451-ing, I want to say? Yes. The, pro- the, the temperature which paper burns? D- d- oh, I thought, you were, I thought you meant the Five Iron Frenzy song. They're a Christian ska band. <laughs> I mean, this entirely. They probably named it after the Ray Bradbury book. I'm almost. They're so, getting oh, a film adaptation this year, starring that guy from Star Wars. You know, the amazing thing about the Bradbury book is that it starts at the back of the shelf, and then all the other books in front of it fall over, and it just races through and wins <laughs> the gold of the books. Ah, this very Australian reference there, but good. Oh, that'll be that's a that's a worldwide story. If you if we were in two thousand and two, yeah, it's a book where there's a bunch of like uh, robotic fire dogs wandering around burning things. It's a solid book. Robotic fire dogs. If I'm remembering it right, I'm keen. Yeah, you wouldn't like it. You don't um, like books. Snout is a great word. Yes. My my notes for this <laughs> my notes for this episode are maybe the least um, coherent. Uh, I was going to say cogent, but yeah, coherent, that'll do. Least coherent my notes have ever been. There is one thing that I forgot to mention earlier, but I feel like I need to. Uh, this is the episode where Homer imagines if he wins the lottery that he'll turn himself into a giant man made of gold and jewels. Giant man made of gold and jewels. And I feel very connected to this because my background picture on Twitter for a long time has been Homer as a giant covered in gold and jewels. That is good. Laughing in the sky. I feel a real connection to that image. Except you've done a weird Photoshop where you've made it, instead of gems, you've made it like miniature versions of Canadian folk singer, sorry, Alaskan folk singer Jewel. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, and then you do your big gold-plated Homer voice, and you go, My hands are small, I know, but they are not yours. They are my own. Dave Callan, is that you? <laughs> oh, I've been found out again. Right, I'll go stand over there until you finish this podcast. Oh, right, then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. It's a silly, silly podcast. Do you remember when we were at... <laughs> The supermarket before. I don't know how many more tangents we could go on here, but yes, carry on. Do you remember at the supermarket before, I was like, oh man, I'm going to get some chocolate because the, the last few episodes, I feel like I've been a bit down. <laughs> you know, I feel like my energy's been lacking. I'll get some chocolate. That'll give me a buzz. Turns out the double dip cherry ripe that I got uh, has absolutely sent me off. Bloody, I've gone cuckoo for Cocoa Pops. I don't know. My picnic bar really... Uh... And he boosted me up. Mm. If I'd had a boost, maybe I would have, you know, felt more like, you know, going on a picnic instead of doing a podcast. But as it is, you know, as someone that's called Nick, I feel very sad whenever it went. As someone who's called Nick, who likes to be unnecessarily literal and pedantic, I feel very disappointed when I'm not chosen to go on an outdoor eating event. Hey, hey, Nick, my boy. Because you've <laughs> let's got let's go on a picnic. Because you've got a picnic for oh, gee, a. I don't know. Pick a, Oh, oh, Yogi, I don't think the Rangers gonna like that we haven't picked Nick for this picnic. Jesus, fuck. That's a really good boo-boo. <laughs> fuck you. No, honestly, it was. It was very good. <laughs> it's almost more upsetting, though, because I feel like we should keep going down that path now. <laughs> or realizing that we shouldn't, because this podcast is called Pods in the Key of Springfield, and it's nominally a Simpsons podcast, and I have lots of things to say about this episode, Dog of Death, and we've been going for a fucking hour and said nothing about anything. <laughs> Oh, Nick, I don't think James is going to like your tangents. <laughs> hey, hey, Bobo, my boy. I don't know about this tangent, Bobo. I'm not. <laughs> you do a, no, this is perfect. You do a really good yogi and I do a passable boo-boo. <laughs> what a wonderful world I'm we live I'm going to swipe that picnic basket. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Boo-boo's running the things to say. I mean, this is an episode where the dog nearly dies. <laughs> yeah, it's a relatable fucking episode about a family trying to cope with the expense of helping a sick dog. Gee, Yogi, I don't think that family of bears is going to like you changing the spelling of their surname. <laughs> oh, oh, gee, Bobo, my boy, our dog is sick. I'm losing it. Yeah, oh, it was good while it lasted. Yeah. Yeah, it's gone forever. You can only do Yogi once, and then it's just, uh, it's gone. Mm. Don't let Hanna-Barbera know that. Oh, it's alright. They, they were reusing the same four frames of animation for years. <laughs> Take that, inside animation joke. Is this getting to inside animation, James? <laughs> As opposed to inside baseball, which was last week's episode. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, the photos of Santa's little helper that Marge is looking through to get one for the lost dog poster. Yeah, after the dog runs away, after getting saved in the surgery, after they walk into the surgery and say to the guy, please help our dog, and are then you, they pay the money. Are you trying to indicate that I have skipped <laughs> too much of this episode? I am wondering... When the dog is getting surgery and Santos El Helper is getting... We'll come back to you, I think. I, I, so I was just going to say, I honestly thought you were going to say, I am wondering if we scrap this episode and start again. If we take this episode, throw, throw it away. away. No. But um, when Santos El, Hel- Santos El Helper is in the... Uh, take this beast and love it away. <laughs> Shit. When he's getting the surgery... And then he flatlines and we see him running towards Doggy Heaven, confirming once and for all that Doggy Heaven does exist within the world of The Simpsons. Flatliners, good punk band. Sure. 
a terrible movie, I'm led to believe. But they bring the dog back by giving it mouth to mouth. Yep. That doesn't seem like it would help. I don't think that the mouth of a human, mm. which is what we believe the vet to be, yep. and the mouth of a greyhound... Which yeah. is what Sandos, Sandos I mean, later is. he's working at the hospital as well in the next season in the clip show. Oh, yeah. He offers to give Homer a tick bath and oh, spam. And Homer do, uh, but does say, why are we driving away from the hospital? Is this, is, this, is this an institution where humans and animals are treated side by side? Well, I would like to note that this is... You know how we've had this ongoing thing about how <laughs> The Simpsons does not understand how airports work? Yes. I think it's similar maybe with a veterinary clinic. Oh, yeah. Because they just walk right into the surgery while another animal is being treated. And the animal dies. And they're like, well, you did the best you could. Now help our dog. That's not how it works. And you know why it died? It's because Homer dropped the junior mint right into the open cavity while during surgery. That fucking lout. That absolute lout. But you don't yes. want to hear Homer's stand-up. No. What's the deal... With junior mints. <laughs> What's the deal with picketing baskets? <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> That's a good enough tag to get out of that riff. <laughs> Did we mention that that, fi- almost, almost that, certainly that fire we talked about before? We forgot to mention the most important part of that. That what Bill fire? Cosby's book was in the fire. Oh, yeah. Which is yeah. very cathartic for us. Very good news for us. Because yeah. I mean... Uh, was that symbolic of uh, had had at th- at this point in the Simpsons airing has it ha- had it finally conquered Cosby in the ratings and this was a symbolic burning or was it? Well, a- I think it had conquered Cosby maybe back in the second season. Okay, sweet. Because the second season was like the peak of they never got more than they got in the second season ratings wise. Is it also because this is an episode in which because Co- that was Cosby's fatherhood, right? Is that the name of the book? Yeah. I think it's the name of the book. This is an episode in which we see Homer having to work very hard to console his son on something. Did he consult the fatherhood book specifically for its useful content during the background scenes of this episode? Um, I went to say the word denouement, but that's (laughs) not a correct use of that word, uh, nor a correct accent. Um, uh, And then he decided to throw it in the fire because it's useless. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. I think, um, I don't know, I think the implication is just the moment he was done becoming a better father to Bart, he threw it in the fire. Sure. Because he no longer cares about fatherhood or uh, serial rapist Bill Cosby, I suppose. So, what was that you were saying a moment ago about uh, fucking... You, just, you started to talk about something. It was like Lisa and Copernicus or Homer in the photos punching the dog or something. Yes, no, the the photos of Santa's little helper that Marge is scanning through yeah. uh, to find one for the missing poster, they're all wonderful because it's things like, well, there's a not very nice one of Homer booting Santa's little helper right up the bum, Australian embassy style. Yeah. Uh, but then there's just several of Homer getting his arm chewed off by Santa's little helper and I love the implication that someone was just there taking photos of it rather yeah. than doing anything it's actually very pressing for our current social media culture where people don't actually help they just stand there and film hmm. can you tell me more about that? no oh, okay um, by the way if anyone thanks Noel Fielding if, uh, <laughs> people are just like just like looking through their cameras and they're not like going off into other dimensions with owls and cheesecake that's my Noel Fielding okay it was a, um, who's that other guy? Russell Brand. 
That's what that was. Oh, I didn't use anywhere near enough nine-syllable words for All right, yeah. People, people, yeah, they don't talk to one another enough. Let me tell you the truth, innit? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, um, uh-huh. where, where are they when we see the who I thought was the stockbroker? Ah, they're at the oh. Animal Pound looking for a... Mr. Burns goes to the Burns Pound. Burns and Smithers. To look for a new attack dog. They, yes, they go to the Pound. And we see someone who is so pale and sick and slovenly that I thought he is home a stockbroker from a previous episode. Mm. But this guy is so pale that in the world of The Simpsons, he has a green tinge to his skin. A green tinge. A glowing green tinge green. to his skin. Big shoes to fill. No, green tinge to skin. Green tinge to skin. Green tinge to skin. And who else has a green tinge? Patty. No, Colossus. Yes, Colossus. Colossus has the green tinge. Old made Colossus. Now, this is interesting because in the previous... So, I'm adamant that it's the stockbroker. I haven't checked the character models, but I think they're very similar. And (laughs) if we've learnt one thing from the four-hour-long recording session that we're currently in the middle of is yes. that my memory is impeccable. Mm. As in, it cannot be pecked. Um, <laughs> which is always what I've assumed the literal meaning of that word was. <laughs> but anyway, that's... that's what, Look, wordplay aside, I assume that's the stockbroker from the previous episode. Mm. You thought it was Colossus. What if... No, I... no, no, no. I think, I think you're onto something with it being the stockbroker, but I think the stockbroker has at the very least been corrupted. What if I put to you that Colossus is the stockbroker? And here's my reason why. What does the stockbroker do? He calls Homer on the mor- so this we did this a couple of episodes ago. Don't remember when. Go look it up yourself. I think it's in it's Burns the Carpenter Craft the, Work. The Carpenter Craft Work. Um, he tells Homer to sell the stock at like twenty five dollars, and then it gets up to like six thousand dollars or some other life changing amount, mm. um, allegedly life changing amount, and then uh, enough Hom- to pay for dog surgery at least. <laughs> Homer, well, interesting. Homer loses out. So not only does he appear in another episode in which Homer has a loss of money, mm. but also I think that the the stockbroker is Colossus. And we've been saying that Colossus is out to get Springfield, right? To cause mischief in Springfield. Mm. He's the one pulling all the evil strings behind the scenes. I think he's actually specifically targeting the Simpsons because I think this is two events now in which he's been tangentially related to the Simpsons losing money. Colossus is trying to keep the Simpsons down, keep them without means, keep them, you know, below their station so that they are ripe for the picking. You know, when I said a moment ago they would have had the money for the dog surgery, I kept thinking about that and I thought, yes, that is true. And then the dog wouldn't have run away because they wouldn't have been upset at the dog and he wouldn't have ended up at this pound. And then he ends up with Mr. Burns, who we know to be an antagonistic figure within the world of The Simpsons. So I guess his long-term plan was for their beloved dog to end up with Mr. Burns. But we also know that Mr. Burns is also likely to be the enemy of Colossus because we suspect that he may have been born in the radiation of the Shelbyville plant. Oh, yeah, fuck. Yeah. So So I guess his entire plan was for Mr. Burns to get his hands on a defective dog and for the Simpsons to feel a sense of loss and remorse at seeing their beloved dog corrupted as he is. Mm. Mm. Did you ever see the cartoon show Defective Dog? I saw Courage the Cowardly Dog. Courage the Cowardly Dog? Yeah. 
It's an interesting mix of names. Yeah, it was a dog and he was a coward. Right. Yeah. But it was called Courage. Yes. Oh. oh, a little bit like when you have like, you know, if you have a really tall friend and you call them Shorty. Yes. Right. What were we saying about Colossus? <laughs> <laughs> um, the only other note I have for this episode, and then I'll throw my book away in typical me style, is um, I picked up <clears throat> something from our brother podcast, uh, Simpsons Index, in relation to this. So when we see um, uh, Santos El Halper being trained in the Clockwork Orange scene, uh, and it's a scene, it, it's a collage of videos that are meant to be horrifying to dogs. Yeah. There's a water bowl being kicked over, there's a, a pretty French poodle being smacked on the nose with a rolled up newspaper. Mm. The final scene is someone holding up a dog by its ears. Do you know that's a reference to American, former American President Lyndon Johnson, who on multiple occasions, and I'm pulling it up on our, the screen we're looking at now, on multiple occasions has been photographed holding dogs up by his ears, but by the dog's ears. <laughs> that is strange. I, so yeah, I found this out through um, <clears throat> some. Uh, I think it was BT maybe on Simpsons. On their Index. episode about Dog of Death. On their episode about Dog of Death, which I've been trying very hard to not quote. Um, but yeah, Lyndon Johnson repeatedly photographed holding dogs up by the dog's ears, which is insane. LBJ should have done that. No, if it was a few more letters down, it would have been LBW, a method of dismissal in cricket. I guess if you're the president, you just feel that you can do whatever you want. You can lift dogs by the ears, you can grab women by the pussy. You know, there's just so many ways you think you're allowed to interact with the world. (laughs) He had two beagles called him and her. Hmm. LBJ did. Okay. Hmm. It's always good to end (laughs) end on some presidential facts. I would also like to note... There's a level of Can ceremony. Can you add to... in a, a musical sting for our new segment, Presidential Facts? Dun, 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 dun. What I would like to note... It's a pretty good sting. It's a non-presidential fact. Oh, well, is, good, good thing we ended the segment then. <laughs> is that... Uh, that was Presidential Facts. Dun, 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 dun. Just the opening bit from the Cheers theme. <laughs> oh, fuck, that's what it is. But, um... While watching this episode, <laughs> I filled the final page of my notebook that I've been writing notes in for this uh, final this, page of the notebook. This entire podcast. This is like uh, this is you know, I've never of... managed to write an actual book, but I filled this one. We're gonna have to say goodbye to old purple. Old purple. Have to get a replacement book. Feels like the end of an era. So if anyone wants to uh, bid for this book, um, <laughs> I don't think we're gonna bother doing that because no, can you imagine if we were famous and could do that we could just make money by just selling the shit that we just have lying around our respective homes i honestly think that there are two super fans that have contacted this podcast on multiple occasions who i think look i'm not saying that they would give us like 50 dollars for it but they'd give us a dollar or two. Oh, they'd just stop listening at the very implication <laughs> they would uh, consider buying my worthless shed. Sam, Diana, prove me wrong, kids. <laughs> prove me wrong. Sam and Diana, who I think were also the names of the lead characters in Cheers, by the way. <laughs> Little did it, my Sam and Diana, they wanted my purple off this fella. <laughs> yeah, that was really good, but I don't have the energy to do with that anymore. <laughs> This has been a ridiculous recording. It's so fun. (laughs) Let's, Let's end it.
<laughs> all right. Well, um, thank you for listening. As always, we're on all of the social media. Keith Springfield on Twitter and, you know, the fairly obvious post in the Keith Springfield everywhere else. You can email us, post in the Keith Springfield at gmail.com. Thank you to Marigold Bartlett for our album art. I'll say that oh, occasionally. Ghost Town Goldie. Yep. Uh, and thank you to you, the listener, because without you... We'd probably still do this because we're fucking idiots, but, you know, it's better to have you listening. Without you, it'd just be us. Yes. Um, and even with you, it's basically still mostly just it's us. mostly just us. Yeah. I mean, very rarely do we have the studio audience in this theatre hall that we book out for our... Why do we keep getting the thousand-seater? Yeah. We could downgrade to the four-seater and we'd still have space. Yeah, I know. Because we don't oh. invite anyone to these things, James. <laughs> no, we don't even tell people we're recording them in this theatre. Why what are we are doing we this? doing? And, uh. you know, all these acts that keep trying to come to Adelaide, because the theatre's already booked out, they can't come. There's meant to be a U2 concert here tonight. Well, um, I, was, I was hoping you wouldn't um, find out that the acts have been cancelling because um, I, I didn't want to have to tell you this, but uh, to book last week's recording session in the theatre mm. I I did have to single-handedly cancel the Australian tour of Danny DeVito really no uh, he told me he was busy <clears throat> uh, I think you'll find that uh, if Danny DeVito is anywhere he is in fact in Springfield was a wuzzle um, oh fuck, are there any lines I remember from either of the episodes that we just watched hey my dog is dead what's the big idea <laughs> It's a me, dead dog guy. No. Um, okay, I've got one. Let's go again. Where's the wuzzle? Always with the magnets. <laughs> Bye. 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 It was an okay snake. Jesus. Yeah, it was great. It was very good. <laughs> Fuck, that sounded, that sounded more patronising. No, no, no. It was legitimately good. I'm not patronising you. I'm just tired. I just love this over. Yeah, it was great, all right? Fuck. Let me leave. <laughs> Unlock the doors, Billy. Lock the gates. <laughs> Who are you guys? Oh, who are you guys? <laughs> In Springfield. I have my water on the floor. On the air at floor. On the floor. So, Nick, obviously. Hang on, I'm just going to see if I can get a nice little bit of foley work here. Oh, you got that bubble. It's gonna bubble over. Don't get the bubbles on the mic. Yeah. I didn't. I could. I could hear the bubbles crackling through my ears and the microphone. So I was like, I'm gonna let that go a little longer. That's beautiful. So of course, part of the reason, Nick, that we do this uh, Godforsaken podcast is that uh, we're hoping that Al Jean will notice us and take us on as writers of The Simpsons. Right? That's part of the thing, right? Frankly, I'm hoping anyone will notice me. <laughs> so I've been. Uh, I've been that was cook- a weird laugh. <laughs> so I've been cooking up some some concepts for Simpsons episodes. I've noticed that one of the things they do is they'll take a movie. Yes. They'll look at the title of the movie. They'll think, huh, how can we change this? So it kind of sounds like a Simpsons thing or it's like some sort of pun. And then they'll base the episode around that pun. So I had a look at some movies that I liked. Okay. Came up with some ideas. So first one is uh, Bartman or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Which, of course, is Birdman or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Sorry, I thought it was a Batman thing. Uh, That one would all just be one shot. You know, the camera follows it the whole way. It's all one shot. Less impressive in animation, but that's my 
my idea. Right, right. Then we've got uh, the discreet charm of the bourgeois me. Okay. Which is, uh, of course, you know, the Lewis Bunwell classic, The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie, in which I'm... Homer would get a raise at work and it would go to the family's heads. They'd become members of the bourgeoisie. I'm not sure if I'm the right audience for this bit. <laughs> How about this one? The assassination of Bart Simpson by the coward Robert Williger. <laughs> okay, what's in... that a reference to? Uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, of course. Jesse James. Yeah. Right, okay. So cool. in this one, Sideshow Bob would kill Bart. Cool. That's that, my plan, yeah. That's a, that's a concept we haven't seen before. Yeah, he would flat out murder him. Nick Cave would, of course, guest star. You're thinking of Nick Cage right now, possibly, but no. No, I was thinking of Nick Cave from the band The Bad Seeds. Is it that Nick Cave? Yes, that one. Dig yourself, Lazarus. Dig yourself, Lazarus. I want you to dig. He would be in the episode. Okay. Wait. Is he replacing Sting when they dig down to the bottom of the world to rescue Bart? Shut up, Marge. Nick Cave is Nick, a good please. Digger. He's a good digger. Yes. Uh, the Bubba Doke, in which Marge is haunted by some sort of ghoul. Right. There's a ghoul and it's oh, haunting like a, yeah. like a doe. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and if I understand Twitter correctly, that will leave Marge shook? Shook AFM, I believe. Mm. We've got mm, Holland Drive, like, because mm, he's thinking about donuts. It's about Homer. He moves to LA, but he soon finds himself unable to distinguish between reality and fantasy as the dark tragic comedy hyper-reality of Hollywood unfurls in front of and around him in an episode where ultimately specific meaning is probably less important than emotional impact. Mm. Of course, uh, we'd have Robert Forster guest starring in that one. Mm. And then my last one Holland is... Holland Drive. Yeah. No, hang on. Fuck you. That should be mm, Holland Days. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, so that's going to need... Fuck you a... was a bit strong. Sorry, I take that back. <laughs> no, you're right. It's going to need a fairly major rewrite, I think. And then... <laughs> In, now it's just about an emotion source <laughs> featuring eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And then my last one was Bartman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Uh, so Bart's like selling juice or something. That one's a little, uh, a oh. little undercooked. Frankly, sure, sure, sure. And in that one, Superman's mum is also called Marge. Yes, yes. Marja. <laughs> it's Marge and Marja. I can't believe it's not Marge. No, wait. I can't believe it's not Butter. Oh fuck, I fucked that up. I right, say, so Al Jean, if you're out there, those are my ideas. Uh, bring me on board. I'm. That's actually all I have, but I'm sure that that's a full season's worth. I think uh, that sounded like about twenty-two when I read them out. So thank you. Can I pitch some? Yes. Okay, what about The Lion Frank, in which the town's <laughs> resident professor plays a precocious young lion undergoing struggles of transition into adulthood? Okay, okay. Yep. I'm liking this. I'm just thinking Hakuna Matata, what does that turn into? What about... What, no, hang on. <laughs> Don't stop me. I'm on a roll. What about Mozen, in which Mo is someone troubled by his magical powers and the, the, the struggles about whether or not to use them? Oh, like, and he's saying things like, let it go, Midge. Let it mow. Let it mow. Oh, fuck. Why didn't I think of let it mow? <laughs> uh, let it mow. Let it mow. Why you no speak Italian no more? Oh. Uh, he does seem like a guy who the cold would not bother anyway. No, it's because he can't afford heating. Mm. Don't tell anyone how he lives. Okay. That's Lenny, but yes. Fuck. <laughs> okay. The Lenny, um, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. 